0: This is the Thrive Podcast with Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. And now, Pastor Fred Jeff Smith. Hello, welcome to the 21st. Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I'm Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh, and whether you are viewing this or listening to this uh, over iTunes, viewing it over YouTube, we're very grateful for your tuning in today. And I am extremely happy and proud uh, to have Ellen McKnight here with us as our guest today, not just because Ellen is a fantastically wonderful person, but Ellen is a Shiloh product and one of my favorite people. People on planet Earth. How are you today Ellen?
1: I'm super good, how are you?
0: Doing fine, thank you. Tell us a little bit about who Ellen McKnight is.
1: Okay, well thank you for having me on the podcast. I am Honored, But I am Ellen McKnight. I am a, a member here at Shiloh. I sing on the Price Team and I sing on the Young Adult Ensemble. And I'm also a nutritionist. So um, I'm a nutritionist and I also am the principal of the Maxine Firm. And so what the Maxine Firm is, it's a nutrition and wellness firm. And we are made up of a network of healthcare professionals who are invested in improving the lives of all those that we touch by way of nutrition education and chronic disease disease prevention, particularly chronic disease prevention in African-American communities. So that's who I am, and that's what I do, and you're my favorite, too. Thank <laughs> you.
0: So let, let, let's delve a little bit into the nutrition thing. Okay. Uh, if anybody's viewing this, you can see that there's an obvious difference between Ellen and me right. with regard to size, with regard to health, the whole nine yards. I. Uh, Tell us, what are the major challenges that you run into? You go uh, not just all over the city, but you're starting to go all over the state and all over the nation carrying this message of nutrition, particularly for African-American people. What are the major problems that you see that you run across uh, in your presentations about nutrition and health?
1: Well typically once, or when you're talking about the major differences between you and I, I thought you were saying that I have on green and you have on black. (laughs) But, um, yeah, that's that's Uh, where I was going with it. But, well, once we get into that thing, uh, once the presentation starts, once the program starts, or you know, once the event has commenced, I don't run into any problems. Um, Most of the things, uh, most of the concepts that we're trying to relay, or if it's just me I'm trying to relay, they are well- Received. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only are they well received, people are interested in follow up. They want to know how they can do better, live longer, um, all of those things. So, I okay, th-
0: but but when I say major problems, I don't mean uh, resistance to your message. Oh. I mean what are the what are the problems? If I'm coming to to a Maxine firm presentation, yes. and I am morbidly obese, according to my physician. Okay. I have diabetes. I have high blood pressure. I don't have heart problems, thank God. And I don't have a cholesterol problem at this moment. But I am 56 years old, almost 57 years old. Am I the typical guy who comes to your presentation? Or, or what is... What is if you had to describe the typical person who sits in your audience and listens to okay. you talk about nutrition what is it that that they look like and sound like
1: the typical person is either someone who is ha, who has been diagnosed with a chronic disease or di- disease process um, so someone who so either they've been diagnosed with it or they have a history of it in their family mm-hmm. right and so somebody with you know, hypercholesteremia, high cholesterol, or high blood pressure mm-hmm. um, may have had a stroke, may have had a heart attack, mm-hmm. or is someone that says, "My mother and my father have high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. I don't want." To have right. high blood pressure, or you know, I just left my doctor. I am prehypertensive, or I just got diagnosed with type two diabetes. Mm-hmm. I've been Googling. I found out that it might be reversible. Mm-hmm. What can I do? Right? How can I? How can I help? What can I learn? So I I run into that person there at the uh, event, and then sometimes the person who's asking me about the event or a little skeptical about it, um, you know, they're just a little bit uh, pessimistic. Like, can I really make a change? Can Are the things that I eat or the things that I put into my body, can that really affect my health outcomes, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so then there's that thinking, is, is this real? Am I destined for this? Is the family history the uh, end-all, be-all? Right. And so, you know, having conversations around those topics to help change mindset.
0: Genetics versus behavior.
1: Genetics versus behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, I say all the time. You know, diabetes, type 2 diabetes, because, you know, there's a difference. Uh, Type 2 diabetes um, that's based on uh, physical activity and uh, diet, you know, that may not run in your family. Mm. It might just be that no one runs in your family. So, you know, behavior versus uh, genetics, definitely. I am a a huge advocate for behavior. And I say this, um, I recently got my teeth, what happened to them. Jones Creek Family Dentistry whoop whoop (laughs) I recently got my cavities I had two cavities I recently got those filled Mm -hmm. and you know when you go to any doctor's office they take your blood pressure well mine was a little elevated it was 145 over like something but it was high it was it was a little bit it was way higher than normal. And then it happened again, uh, at Louisiana Healthcare Services for my annual whoop whoop. Um, and so I'm like, Okay, what's going on? Okay, so, you know, I'm I'm relatively active. I eat well okay <laughs> for the by and large okay now don't talk to me during you know holidays and stuff like that but I was like what's going on right and so when I broke it down and I started using my different apps to kind of deduce where is this sodium coming from because mm-hmm. it's not coming from the air it was coming from all of the chicken that I consume okay so I just con- generally by and large I don't do a lot of pork I don't do a lot of beef
0: was this purchased chicken or chicken that you
1: this is purchased prepared chicken. yourself this is purchased chicken okay uh I'm glad you said that. It was, It's purchased chicken. So, um, oftentimes I, I'm, I'm not with the beef, I'm not with the pork, um, because they're high in saturated fat, right? right? and that affects heart health. So, I, I lean towards chicken, I lean towards uh, turkey, and I also lean towards, you know, fish. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm eating all of this chicken. Chicken is like the leading you know, conduit of sodium in America, okay? Really? Be- yes! I didn't know this. I had to do further research, because in the Production and manufacturing and the farming of chicken. Mm-hmm. After they snatch it from the farm, mm-hmm. right, and, the, and it goes through the um, the production process, it is injected with saline solution so it's juicier and plump and more consumer friendly, right? So I'm con- here. I am trying to do my very best, right. right? Trying to do my very best. Trying to make the best possible decisions out here, and my life is hectic. So I will go in a drive-through in a minute and get a grilled chicken sandwich with like nobody's business. Right. Queen of the grilled chicken sandwich. Right. Well, heaven's to Betsy, it's full of sodium. So. so if I
0: go to Wendy's, like I did last night, okay, this we're, we're, we're doing this on a Thursday. Last night was Wednesday night. Okay, uh, After Bible study, uh-huh. I left. I went to Wendy's. I got a grilled chicken sandwich, which comes on whole wheat.
1: Sure does. A whole
0: wheat bun. It does. And that was my meal. Yeah. That was my evening meal. I thought I was doing... Well, well, and what you're telling me is I was filling myself with sodium.
1: Okay, so here, here's the thing, and I tell everybody this, okay? It's about making the very best decision at that time, okay? So when you were going through that drive-thru, you decided, hey, I'm going to get a grilled chicken sandwich right. on a whole grain bun as opposed to a double cheeseburger with extra bacon and extra foolery and a side of fries and Correct. frosting.
0: Did not get fries, did not get the frosting.
1: Look at God. Left it there. Okay. Now see you made the best decision at that time. Okay. Okay. And and, and that's that's what we want. That's all we can do. Just so happens I found out that, hey, I'm going to have to make some different decisions as it relates to Ellen's blood pressure because I'm 29 years old mm-hmm. and I'm not I'm not here for hypertension, okay? My mother has it. Everyone on my mother's side of the family has it, okay? Right. And then everyone on my mother's side of the family, they're, they're dealing with, you know, uh, also kidney issues because blood pressure affects your kidneys. Right. Um, there's a large artery, excuse me, vein that goes through your kidneys and affects your um. It's it, it renal no failure. We don't have time. So, anywho, um, no, you were not making the wrong decision there. You were making the best decision at the time, okay? okay. And so um, that's what we want everyone to do. We don't want you to like run off the cliff or like, oh my gosh, I can't have this, I can't have that. I can't. No, I'm all about focusing on making the very best decision with what you're faced with. At that point, okay. so me moving on. Now that I know that uh, even grilled chicken and white meat chicken, I'm gonna keep. I'm going to have that in even more moderation, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna increase my fish consumption. Not just any fish. I'm gonna be consuming fish that is wild caught as opposed to farm fish because they're full of antibiotics. No one can figure out where cancer is coming from. So, you know, a lot of times it's the environment and things mm-hmm. like that. But there's many. If I can keep the things that are going inside of my body as natural as possible, mm-hmm. that's what I'm going to do. Okay. So you did make a good decision, and I'm very proud of you. Well, thank the- you.
0: <laughs> thank you. I'm I, very I'm proud of you. To do better. Yes. So the typical person uh, who, who attends one of your presentations uh, is someone who has a history of uh, being overweight has a history of having what you have described as chronic illnesses or chronic conditions, diabetes, cholesterol problems, heart problems, blood pressure problems, things of that sort. Okay, they, they sat through the presentation, which I have done on a couple of occasions, 45 minutes to an hour, uh, and, and you, you, you're a very entertaining presenter when you do that, and then they want to come up to you and they want to tell you, thank you so much, Ms. McNair. I really enjoyed all of that, and uh, I hope that I can do some of the things that you're suggesting that I do. What's the pushback that you get on some of the suggestions that you make that we do?
1: Well, um... I'm going, definitely going to address that. That's typically the person that comes to the presentation that has one of those um, chronic diseases. But there's also a person who doesn't have any chronic diseases at all, and they just want to be better. Now, to the person um, who does have the chronic disease, and then I share some you know, best practices for improved health, what pushback do I get? Very little. Really? Let, let me tell you why. Um, because if they're at that state, uh, the people who, because these aren't free events. They are paying their money right. to do better. Okay, if people are paying their money to learn how to do better, not mm-hmm. just talk, not just get flustered about what they're doing mm-hmm. wrong, well, but learn how to do better. Um, their mind is open. They're optimistic. They're willing to make a change. They're ready to make a change, either be, for personal reasons or external reasons, mm-hmm. like. Like this is affecting my quality of life. Mm-hmm. This is affecting my ability to work. Mm-hmm. This is affecting my family. This is infringing upon our free time because they are taking me back and forth to dialysis, and I got to figure out how to control this sodium and still maintain a pleasant uh, existence as it relates to food because it's a part of our culture, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So in terms of resistance, I don't get very much now. Um, you know, there are some preconceived notions that people may have before they come to an event or before they come to the event because once they leave it's all gone but uh, say for example they're like "Does, does eating healthy mean that I just have to eat salad I hear that all the time right does eating healthy mean I have to be vegan or I have to be vegetarian? Or what is what does that even mean? What are the even the differences? You know, does eating healthy or being healthy or, or you know, walking towards wellness? I like that. Write that down for you. Does walking towards <laughs> wellness mean that, you know, I'm not going to be able to have crawfish? Because, you know, I've already for the crawfish boil for my child's uh, graduation party. Things like that. And um, those notions are dispelled. And so I like to talk to people about figuring out what you can do, you know, before you start before you become bogged down with what you can't do. What can I have Uh as opposed to, you know, what can't I do? It's almost like Christianity. You know, when I tell let folks know that I'm a Christian, saved by grace, like, oh, girl, you can't do anything. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't go here. You you don't go there. And that's not my mindset. Mm -hmm. That's not my perception as it relates to Christianity, and it should not be our perception as it relates to wellness, because what we can do is endless. Okay? So what we can do for the church, or what we can do for the body, what we can do for Christ, or how we can live. I don't feel like I'm restricted in my life. I don't feel like i there are things that I can't do. I feel like I have more opportunities to be well and, be, and to be whole as a Christian than I do anything else. And that's the same disposition that we ought to take about our physical health.
0: That's an interesting segue, the way that you did that. Um, take a more positive... Approach to this as opposed to a pessimistic or negative approach to it. Right. You started off, when I asked you to tell us about Ellen McKnight, you started off talking about the fact that you were a member of this church and that you were a part of the praise team of this church. Uh, and and then you you backed into the fact that you're also a nutritionist. Is that the way you see yourself? Is, is Ellen McKnight a Christian first and foremost?
1: I am a Christian first and foremost because I have the good sense to realize that every good thing, every positive thing, every opportunity, every just, hey, why don't you call Ellen, or hey, did you consider Ellen, or hey, have you heard about that girl in the green? I have a it's undeniable that the only reason that those things happen is because I'm connected to Christ. It's not because I'm so cute. It's not because I'm so funny. It's not because, you know, my daddy is who he is or my mom is who she is. It's because I'm connected to Christ. And so, um, that's the only way I can live my life and move. Um, because there are circumstances that come up and arise that that's the only thing that's going to matter. Nothing else really, really does.
0: You're 29 years old. You, You just said that, Um, you're in an age group and and you fall within a generation of African Americans that are less inclined to be a part of an organized church experience uh, as opposed to your predecessors. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I want to know what is it that you find beneficial from being a part. Obviously, you can be a Christian without being a part of a church. Mm-hmm. As, as a pastor, we we always say, you need to be a part of a church. Uh, but truth be told, you can be a Christian and not be a part of a church. Don't get mad, because I said that it's, it, it's a fact. Uh, what is it that keeps you a part of, of not just Christ, but a part of the church experience? The, and, and not just the church experience, the traditional African-American <laughs> church experience. Because there's also a segment of your generation uh, that has, if they do go to church, they have left what we call the traditional African-American church and they have opted for other choices. So I'm curious as to why you choose not just to... to practice your Christianity and and elevate your Christianity and make it a part of your daily walk. But why you choose to do that through Shiloh?
1: Well, um, I've I've just always Shiloh's been lit since I've been here. Okay, it's just it's just where it's at. Okay, and so that's one of the reasons why I do it, and I'm a part of it, and I do it through Shiloh. Um, Shiloh historically, my whole my whole time in Shiloh, uh, I mean we're a social justice beyond the walls type center. Okay, the first account that I ever had, my father opened it at the Shiloh Credit Union. Okay, so that's talking about economic development for our people. Okay. Um, um, the first time, um, Shiloh, and 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 moreover, Shiloh invests in its members. Um, they promote academic excellence. Um, I I remember coming up in Shiloh, and um, it was imperative. And it was at the forefront of my mind that I need to make these A's and these B's because (laughs) Sister Doris Williams is going to get my report card from my dad and you get five dollars for an A and you get four dollars for a B. (laughs) And so I'm about this incentive money life. But but essentially what they were doing is trying to promote academic excellence. Right. Um, I received a scholarship to continue through school because I had no money and I was taking an extra long time to get out of undergrad. So, you know, it was really, really awesome when Shiloh made it available for me to have, um, additional money so I can finish school. So all that to say, um, and then, uh, and then on top of that, um, The people here, I know a lot of times people say, you know, know, church folk and this and church folk and that, And, and I understand that I get that and I'm not naive, but by and large, I've experienced a whole lot of love. Um, from people here at Shiloh. Um, am I heavily involved in the church? I feel like I am involved in the church, but I'm not, I don't know all that's going on. I don't. Um, another reason why I'm attached to Shiloh is I'm proud of the work that we do in the community. I'm proud of the work that we do historically for others that nobody will ever know about. Those bills that get paid that no one ever knows about. When someone's house burns down, no one knows about that The Shiloh's coming to the aid if a small business is in need of some assistance shallow is coming to their aid and then also shallow comes to the aid of individuals that they can do nothing for them in return Okay, and so I think that speaks to the character of Shiloh and not only am I connected to Shiloh and the African American church and you know some of my counterparts are connected to the African American church but I think as as, this is the age of social justice okay and if, if y'all know anything about social justice that was birth out of the black church yes it was okay and so I'm connected to that uh, I'm proud of that and I'm interested in uh, continuing that legacy and being a part of it so those are the reasons why i'm part of the african-american church and then there are some things in my life personally that the i know that the only reason i was able to sustain and navigate through those times is because i was connected to a church body that was Giving me the tools that I needed to get to the next day, and not become overcome emotionally with what I had going on at that time. So that's why.
0: I think that's great. We're gonna take all of that. We're gonna put that into a, a, a testimonial. Oh that, my God. That, that, uh, <laughs> very very well stated. So so you see a connection between nutritional health and spiritual health.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. Okay.
0: Elaborate on that for us, please.
1: Well, you know what the word said.
0: Yes. Tell me about it. I want you to elaborate that for, for the, the audience. Yes.
1: Okay. So our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Yes. We are not our own. Yes. Okay? So we're supposed to be good stewards of this body. Right. Yes. So when we put good things in our body, typically we expect good things to come out. Or if we make a point to put good things in our body or positive things in our body or things that are whole into our body or in our temple, then nine times out of ten, we're going to yield positive, whole, and good results. That's just, that's just important across the board. You don't want to continuously be listening to negative, to, to negative jargon or being around negative people or being in negative, um, in negative groups. You know, the things that you let into your spirit in your space affect your outputs, inputs and outputs, isness and oddness, anyway. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I think that that is vitally important. And, um, you know, when you, when, when you feel good, you can do good. You know, there was a time that uh you were down for the count and you were uh you were sick and that didn't stop the work from going on. No. That didn't stop the work from going on and you but you could not function at your optimum capacity because you were dealing with illness. Yes. Um you know when Pastor Smith was out, you know he couldn't function. The stuff went, didn't go all the way down. But who, you know, we we had we had issues mm-hmm. because you know he wasn't here, um, and th- and that's not to say that uh, we, we want you to take care of yourself and things like that. But don't do things that will cause you to become sick, yes. and then you cannot function in your calling. Yes. Okay, so if it's in your hands to do better, so you can be the very best person that you can be. You give it. You we we get the very best. Shallow gets the very best of Fred when Fred is at his best. You know what I mean? The Maxine Farm gets the very best of Ellen when Ellen is at her best. My family gets the very best of Ellen when I'm at my best. So how? what things can I do to make certain that I'm at my best? Mm-hmm. I can make sure that I'm at my best physically, so I'm exercising and I'm putting the appropriate things in my body. Mm-hmm. I can make certain that I'm at my best spiritually, so I can spend time with God instead of spending more time with social media. Okay. That's sometimes I do that. And then also I can uh, be at my best um, mentally mentally positive affirmations making sure that I'm doing the things that I need to do that I so I can take care of my mental space
0: let's talk about the mental part what about the, it? the psychological what part about of it? it going you know being being my own, talking about myself okay uh, i'm a stress eater okay uh, So if people are looking at me, they're saying, "God, he must be under a whole lot of stress."
1: (laughs) (laughs) Catherine. Catherine. The the,
0: the truth of the matter is, I don't drink. Okay. I don't do drugs. Mm -hmm. When I am under stress, I eat. Okay. Now let's be clear. I enjoy food, period. Mm -hmm. But when I am under stress, I find that I will eat things, uh, not just because I'm hungry but because it helps me cope with the stress. It's something I need to eliminate. It's something I need to improve Mm -hmm. upon. I'm confident that I'm not the only person who deals with this. Absolutely. How do you, in in addition to the behavioral aspect, how do you uh, speak to the psychological aspects of eating? Okay. Because eating is a benign vice,
1: Mm -hmm. you know.
0: If somebody gets drunk, that's a terrible thing. If somebody gets high, that's a terrible thing. But if somebody wants to eat, baby, let me give you an extra piece of pie. Maybe you're enjoying that cake. I, I got an extra slice of it. Nobody thinks twice about shoving food uh, in, in someone else's direction. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a psychological thing where where, where people are enablers. To, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not blaming the people. You you have responsibility for what you do and do not consume, but. If if I tell people I have a drug problem, they're gonna send me to a clinic. If I tell people I have an alcohol problem, they're gonna send me to AA. If I tell people I eat because I am under stress, they're gonna say, "Well, baby,
1: they're gonna send you to the Maxine Burn." No, they're gonna send you to the Maxine Burn. Okay. And so, and and why is that? Because of Dr. Megan Bourne. Um, we recently did a um, seminar on mat- navigating nutrition and mental health. Mm-hmm. So she talks about. And what we talk about there are the foods that we consume that trigger certain emotions, Mm -hmm. certain neurological emotions. So foods that you consume that that trigger anxiety. Foods that you consume that trigger depression. Now, we understand that mental health, you know, it's, 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 it's not new, but people's, the people are paying extra special attention to it. So we're not saying that those conditions are solely based on nutrition. We're not saying that at all. Mm-hmm. But we are saying that there are things that you can do as it relates to the things that you consume to try to reduce anxiety, those feelings, and mm-hmm. try to reduce the feelings of depression, and it's based on neurotransmitters, even sugar consumption that has a psychological effect on your brain, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so, so, that, so that's one piece. So that's, that's, that's an education piece, right? And then there's a practical piece. So, you know, no, most of the time we're talking about stress. We hope that it's not twenty four seven, three hundred and sixty five days of the year. Right. Perhaps if it's seven days in a week you might be stressed two days out of the week. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that. Well, all the hours combined. Maybe maybe less than that. On the front end, you know, apart from the education piece, on a practical piece, um we understand that life happens, right? So the idea is and, and so the idea is for you to be making healthy lifestyle changes or healthy decisions as it relates to your nutrition the five days of the week and when calamity strikes it won't be such so much trauma on your body okay that's just a practical way of dealing with it and then um if it's if it gets even more serious than that then you definitely need to sit with a a clinical psychologist and definitely sit with a nutritionist Mm -hmm. so that you guys can work together Mm -hmm. or any person can work together to try to address this because if 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 we're consuming so many um empty calories that it's you know it's so stressful address the stress okay address the stress. Mm-hmm. Because if it's stress eating, then the, the origin is the stress, and that's a psychologist. That may be a psychiatrist. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's important, our counselor, I think that's important first. Then after you address the stress, hopefully, the stress eating is reduced, mm-hmm. okay? So I don't know who the pastor goes to to, to deal with stress, mm-hmm. but somebody, I hope. Sure. So um, dealing with that. And then in turn, making practical decisions. So I say this all the time. I live in Louisiana. Thanksgiving comes every year. Christmas comes every year. I am going to have a slice of pound cake, and I am going to have a piece of sweet potato pie. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel no ways tired about it. Mm -hmm. You want to know why? Because year round, I'm making lifestyle changes. I say that to say, or oh, I'm making, uh, you know, the very best decision as it relates to the things that I put in my body. So I'm saying if you know you're a stressed either, you know, after you go get or before you go get the help or while you're getting your help, make a conscious decision to do the best you can when you're not stressed. Mm-hmm. So. So so in, the, so in the event if, you know, the stress eating does come upon you, well, you know, you've got some foundation there, mm-hmm. right? You've got a little leeway. But definitely go seek counsel um, if stress is an issue, you know, because a lot, that's, that's a lot of people's things. Some people don't eat. Mm-hmm. Some people do eat. But address the stress.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I wish I was one of those that didn't eat. I, I, <laughs> I go to the opposite extreme.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, can poor people eat nutritionally?
1: Can poor people eat nutritionally? That is one an excellent of the pro- question.
0: One of the problems that plague Louisiana and Baton Rouge in particular is food deserts that right. exist in certain uh, uh, economically deprived areas yes. of our city where uh, you have a lot of people who live and who struggle and who strain to make a living from one day to the next. But their choices of places to shop for nutritional food are severely limited. So can poor people eat nutritionally?
1: It is difficult for um, poor or folks with limited income or limited access, living in an area with limited access to fresh and healthy foods to eat healthy. Um, I will say for those audiences, they have to make a personal decision wherever they are or wherever they're getting food because mm-hmm. they know they are they're getting it from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Someone's if it's someone's bringing it to them, or it's at the local uh, corner store, or if it's at uh, I don't know the local Dollar General, or if or if they have the opportunity to get to a Walmart, um, mm-hmm. there are certain foods that they can eat, and, and so th- there's this thing like in order for me to eat healthy, I have to eat whole foods, boo on that. Mm-hmm. In order for me to eat healthy, I have to eat Trader Joe's, boo on that. Now, I love whole foods and I love Trader Joe's, okay? But you can get the, you can. Cord. Oh. I'm talking, okay. Some folks feel that they have to eat at organic markets in order to eat healthy. That's not always the case, okay? Um, Yes, they have things that you might not find at your local grocer, but there are healthy items that you can find at your local grocer. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, say, for example, uh, we talk about fruit and vegetables. Um, There's a hierarchy to that thing. It's fresh, frozen, or canned, right? find out where you are and what you can do. Mm-hmm. So you might have to take the extra initiative to, hey, I'm going into this uh, this family dollar. Um, I'm going to, I mean, I'm picking out my cereal from my family, mm-hmm. okay? I'm going to get the Honey Nut Cheerios as opposed to the Fruit Loops. Okay, because the Honey Nut Cheerios are higher in fiber.
0: The 12-year-old in me just sunk when you said that, but okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I mean. I mean, I like Honey Nut Cheerios, but as a kid, I wanted sugar corn pops.
1: Well, sugar corn pops lead to type 2 diabetes.
0: (laughs) I'm there,
1: okay, so, but you're so you're fortunate enough to have health care, yeah, yeah, so then there's that, um so, so, what does that mean? So, in the places that I am shopping or the places that I do have access to, um you know and and someone has to. Just because you're poor, that doesn't mean you don't understand Mm. the importance of health. Um, But sometimes you just need a little bit more education. It's
0: not a matter of of knowledge. I'm not suggesting that they don't know. I'm just suggesting that they have limited access to nutritional
1: food. It's a whole lot
0: easier to get Popeyes than it is to get uh, uh, food uh, that is... Lower in sodium, that is not fried. Is it better to cook at home as opposed to eating now
1: prepared food? No, the answer yeah. is yes. We have to ask you these questions it's because better. we're trying to inform. That's right. We're, we're talking audience. to the people. Yes. We're talking to the people. Yes, it's better for you to cook at home, and because you can control what's going into your food. Right. Okay. So just like we talked about the chicken earlier, I don't know where the chicken is coming from. But right. say, for example, I get the chicken from a local farmer. They're I know it's not, you know, jacked up and and I know if it's a free range farm, I know that the chicken isn't hopped up on antibiotics. I know it's not jacked up with uh, sodium solutions. And so I can kind of gauge what's going into my body. If Mm -hmm. you cook at home, if you, you know, if you prepare your meals at home and take the time to prepare your meals at home, you know how much sodium is going into it. Mm -hmm. You can choose what type of grains that you want to consume. You know, we always want to push you towards whole grains because they add fiber to your diet and they help reduce uh, high cholesterol well you can make the decision when you prepare your own meals so on and so forth say for example if you want to you're trying to consume more fish well you don't know if this fish is wild caught or farm raised um in certain restaurants you can definitely ask but if you purchase it yourself you can look at those labels and you can read the packaging and find out what are you really consuming Mm -hmm. so it is definitely better to cook at home um because you can control you can better control what you're consuming Mm -hmm. So, yeah, good making of
0: the time. Is it ultimate? No, that wasn't a sigh. All right. I was was just asked. I was going to move for a different question because I enjoy cooking. Look at you. uh, My my grandmother taught me how to cook when I was a small boy, and I enjoy cooking. But cooking is such a time-consuming process, and you don't have the same level of generational support systems uh, at home that you once had. What do I mean by that? In my home growing up, there were three generations there. My grandmother was there, my parents were there, mm-hmm. my, my siblings uh, and I were there. Uh, so my parents were able to go out and work and not have to worry about what their children were eating because my grandmother was at home and my grandmother prepared meals. I didn't eat out. We, we didn't eat out. We ate breakfast, lunch and dinner at home or at school. Uh, so it was not until my grandmother passed and I was out of the house in seminary, uh, that I started realizing, you know what, I don't have three hours to cook. But Burger King is right over there, and I can grab a double meat Whopper from over there real fast. And it becomes habitual because it's cheap and it's quick, and it fills you up immediately, but ultimately it's not healthy. And and so you have to be willing to – even though it's less expensive to prepare food at home than it is – to eat out it's the time factor and 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 people have to be willing to make the time to prepare food so it so that they can eat healthier would you agree with
1: that i would agree with that and even taking it a step further you are right it is a time thing but you have to have to put the time in on the front end or it will take it from you on the back end meaning if you don't make the time or take the time to do the right things as it relates to your health you will you will pay with your time with your hospital visit Mm -hmm. you'll be there for a week plus Mm -hmm. right you'll pay with the time when you're out from work you'll have to do fmla Mm -hmm. okay um so and then then and the cost I mean, I say this all the time, some people say, and really planning will help defray the cost. If you plan out the, the foods that you're going to eat or the meals that you're going to consume, it is more cost effective. Mm-hmm. And, but some people still want to say that um, eating, uh, eating, uh, w- eating healthy costs more, which I disagree with. But even if you take that disposition that eating healthier costs more, mm-hmm. medication costs more. Yes, it does medication is I mean and and it compounds I I know no one who's just on one right it's just like a it's a package deal if you will I don't know how but but you know what I'm saying yes so if you don't if you don't make the time on the front end illness will take it from you on the back Mm -hmm. end and if you don't invest your coins um in the places where it matters um then your coins will be taken from you in a forceful way. Mm-hmm. So this the very I find the very same people who um are telling me that, you know, this cost of this and this cost of that, they're driving Mercedes and <laughs> and Jaguars. Yes. And um uh, Lexus <laughs> Alexa. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're like, oh that that those fruit and vegetables are high. You know, what will will we'll, Consider growing it's your own you food. To where do you where are you putting what's where are you putting your time, talent, and your treasure? Yes. Where are you? So I mean those are just the decisions that you want to make on the front end. And it depends on what's important to you. Oftentimes it becomes important after the elongated hospital stay. hmm Yeah.
0: And, and at that point, much of the damage is already A lot been of the damage
1: done. is done, but you can shake back. Mm-hmm. But you just have to shake back aggressively, as opposed to small things along the way beforehand.
0: The primary focus of your nutritional presentations that I have witnessed have to do with food intake. Yes. Uh, What about smokers? What about drinkers, Mm -hmm. Uh, social and other? Mm -hmm. Is that a part of your nutritional presentation as well
1: when i talk when we talk about alcohol i talk about calorie distribution um for every carbohydrate that's four calories per gram for every protein that's four calories per gram every fat nine calories per gram every alcohol seven calories per gram. But the thing about alcohol, it's completely empty. So it doesn't build or repair the cells. So that's just an empty calorie. So carbohydrates, fruit, vegetables, those are carbohydrates. Grains are carbohydrates too, but Mm -hmm. you can have good carbohydrates. Choose the good carbohydrates versus the bad carbohydrates. Protein. Choose the good proteins versus the bad proteins, so the lean proteins. And then fat. Good fats versus bad fats. The good fats that help with your heart health, lower your cholesterol, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. There is no good, no bad without Alcohol, so make the decision. I call them pimp decisions, but make the decision. Okay. You call them what? Decisions? Pimp. Pimp decisions. 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 Okay. Yeah. Make the make that. So, um and then also alcohol is, is from a um, mental health standpoint. We learned about it in our seminar, but alcohol is in, is ultimately a downer. It is momentarily higher, but ultimately a downer.
0: Okay. So when we talk about alcohol, and and I'm not a drinker, but uh, and, and that's not a spiritual thing that's just, I never developed a taste for alcohol, there there are different levels of alcohol. There are beer drinkers, and then there are wine drinkers, and then there are hard liquor drinkers. Does it matter what, I mean, you you put out a number, seven calories per gram. Ground. Right. Does it differ whether you're drinking a Coors Light versus uh, a Charbonnet versus wild turkey? Does it, it differ?
1: Wow, turkey? What yeah, is that?
0: It's, it's an alcohol. It, 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 it's, a, yeah. it's a liquor. So yeah. I, trust me, somebody's watching. They say, I know what wild turkey is. Have <laughs> <ever> mercy. <say. laughs>
1: so. Yeah, it does It does uh, differ. And a lot of times you can get the difference on the food label. Mm-hmm. That's why they have a Miller Light and Miller Regular. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, and, 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 and particularly, we could just use beer. We know that those are Saccharomyces yeast sugar. Right. That's why, you know, we only need about 130, carbo- 130 grams of carbohydrate a day of that 130 gram, about only 13 should come from added sugar for the healthy American. OK, um, when you're consuming that in excess, anything that you consume in excess converts into adipose tissue, mm-hmm. thus your beer belly. So um, the power, life and death is in the food label, life and death is in the food label, so compare those food labels when are you when you even when you're comparing comparing alcohol. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I hope that answers your question. And we know smoking that's um, the constriction of the blood blood vessels. We don't have time.
0: City just passed an ordinance saying that uh, well they're essentially trying to make East Baton Rouge Parish a smoke free parish. Good. Good. Uh, uh, and yet I do know that there are still people who smoke. Uh, my father, before he became enlightened, was a two to three pack a day cigarette smoker. That's I, not true. I, he, he, it's absolutely I've true. I've never
1: seen. He. Th- I, <laughs> I, I grew up
0: in the home of a smoker. What? Uh, and I, now, around sixty-two, his doctor told him if he continued to smoke, he was going to die, and he quit cold turkey. But he was a two to three pack a day. Smoker, when I was a child. And I, I bring that up only to say that there are other people mm-hmm. who, sti- even though there is a social stigma attached to smoking, mm-hmm. there are still smokers out there. Right. And, and what's your message from a nutritional standpoint to smokers?
1: Smoking has very little to do with food, although tobacco is grown out of the ground and it is a plant. And there is a... What?
0: There is an attachment to eating and smoking.
1: Yes, you Again, less.
0: referring to my experience with my father. He could not eat a meal without smoking a cigarette on the back end. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner. After he got through eating, he pulled out his pell 100, no filter, and smoked a cigarette. Well, it's so, I can So, can't, so, I so can't speak even though, even though cigarettes that. are not a matter of nutrition... There is an attachment to food, um,
1: and mean, so I'm, I'm just asking and, and it, it, what affects, your it affects expertise is. It affects that. different people differently. Some some people differently. Some people smoke and eat less. You know what I mean. Some people smoke and it reduces their appetite. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So and, and and that's common. I cannot. What is my standpoint? It's not good for you. It's got rat poison in it. Don't do it. Okay. <laughs> it's causing cancer. It's killing the children. Stop it. Okay? Um, now, I understand that people do it to deal with different types of things, different types of stress. You're saying that my former pastor did this smoking thing. You don't have any pictorial proof. You're just, Ellen, when you, this you don't have any pictorial proof. I can't be certain about it. So okay. at this point, it's hearsay. Okay. Okay? But I'd wager it has something to do with pastoring black spoke in the black baptist church well (laughs) i don't like i said i had no pictorial proof i can't speak to it but just generally generally we know smoking is bad research lets us know that it it it, 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 um it it contributes to every chronic disease smoking contributes to the advancement of every chronic disease so um if you can make steps to try to quit I definitely think that you should.
0: You are a part of, of the YAM praise team. Sure am. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, more often than not, you bring leadership to the YAM praise team. Uh, we were talking before we started taping about the fact that uh, you're headed to our National Congress of Christian Education. and part of what you're going to uh, be studying is about how to be a better uh, praise praise team, Mm -hmm. praise and worship leader. leader. Mm -hmm. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about your feelings about praise and worship. Um, Not, Not Shiloh, just praise and worship, period. Ellen in praise and worship.
1: I think it's something that I'm learning more about every day. Um, in the, the the first time I took the class in Dallas, we tried to discuss a, we tried to discuss the thinking of divorcing ourselves from the idea of praising worship, praise the fast song, worship the slow song, and try to, um, and we were taught, um, the instructor was Minister Jelani Jones. We were taught about lifestyle, Mm -hmm. preparing yourself um, for worship, preparing yourself to go before the people, um, discussing stories in the Bible, the Levites um, and how they went before the people, um, praising and lifting up God. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, what are my thoughts on praise and worship in the church? I think it's a personal thing that we do corporately um so it's 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 a it's a part of the it's a part of the worship experience you know um but apart from it being a, a item on the program it is a lifestyle that I feel that Ellen is trying to live outside of Sunday morning, okay. Between eleven and eleven fifteen, right. Um, and so I find that that lifestyle includes being kind to others. That lifestyle includes being honest with myself, mm-hmm. honest with others, being the best daughter I can be, trying to be the best student I can be, just trying to be a, a better person all around. And then, in, and then, in conjunction with just trying to be better, or uh, trying to be uh, upright. Trying to uh, making the time and making the effort uh, to spend time to spend more time with God and less time with the fluff, if that if that makes sense. Yes, it does. So um, I, I, that's that's what it means to me, and I'm pretty sure if you ask me this question in five years, the answer is going to be different. But the answer that I gave you just now is honestly where I am with it, and it was different than it was different. Uh, five years prior so um, I think that the life that I try to live outside of Sunday is 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 my praise and is my worship and then on Sunday morning from 11 to 1115 we are trying to we we are we are inviting others to corporately share their outside of Sunday experiences with
0: okay I asked you to give me the macro Now let's make it micro, and let's apply it to Shiloh. I know you grew up in Shiloh, so I know that there was a time when there was not a praise and worship period as a part of the Shiloh worship experience, not one that was designated as praise and worship. How do you think Shiloh as a church has adjusted, responded, reacted to praise and worship and and do you see you've been doing this now for a few years mm-hmm. i know i've been here six years and and you've been a part of the praise team that entire time do you see a difference six years in let's say then then as far as response is concerned uh to what it was before
1: i definitely do i remember one of the things that started the shift we're shifting mm-hmm we're shifting. It's right. not happening all at once, but we're we're pressing towards the mark. Right. Um, I think one of the things that kind of catapulted the shift is uh, we had a praising worship conference kind of seminar for the entire church body, right. and it was led uh, by Reverend Demetria Jones Smith, and she taught why are we praising, gave um, biblical references, practical application. Mm-hmm. Why are we worshiping? What is worship? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then correlated it to what we see on Sunday morning. Right. I think that was good. I think it's always important for you to know why you're doing this, sure. why we're taking communion. What is communion? You know, what do they call the sacraments of the church? The ordinance yes. the ordinances ordinance is of the Thank church you. why what is yeah. baptism why yes. are we you know why are we getting baptized you know yes. so any time that you have more education about the thing that you're doing as it relates to your relationship with Christ i think that you the, the results are just going to be better you know the experience is going to be better so i think that we're coming i think we're becoming i think that we're shifting um, i would actually like for that that series or that uh, I think it was three nights yes. for it to come back again to remind us. I mean, first of all, it's your reasonable service. Mm-hmm. You tell the crackhead on the street, "Thank you." You know what I'm saying? Yes. So why not tell you know the one who's the source of your strength? Right. Thank you. I have no problem with and reverence it. And,
0: and 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 I wanted to get your perspective, and I wanted you to voice it because one of the things that that that, that I am aware of is that our worship experiences are not so much theological or Christological as they are cultural. Yeah. We, 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 we tend to gravitate toward that which we find to be culturally familiar. Mm-hmm. And praise and worship as a separate and a part uh, uh, aspect of the corporate worship experience is not a part of Shiloh's history. No. Uh, uh, you know. But praise sh- sh- and
1: worship is a part of Shiloh's
0: it, history. It is now. You know, I, I'm talking about the segmented part. But yes, you're right. Praise and worship Eww. has always been a part of Shiloh's worship experience uh, in total. But as a segmented part of the worship experience, where it is called period of praise and worship, it's new, new. that that's relatively new. And with anything that is relatively new, there is resistance. And mm-hmm. And I know for a fact that there has been resistance to praise and worship here at the church. And I have sensed that that resistance is shifting over time. Mm-hmm. I'm asking you, as one of the praise and worship leaders, do you sense the same thing I that I am shift. sensing?
1: I sense a shift, but I can also I, ha- I haven't been here as long as you have, but I also, I can I can definitively say that there is resistance with any new thing yes. that we do here at Shiloh. And I mean years of it. Yes. Okay, almost you got to foot. some folk got to die for, uh, <laughs> for stuff to change.
0: And yeah, I'm not trying not to it. kill
1: nobody, but you know but, what I'm mean? That's not
0: a Charles T. Smith statement. i never heard one.
1: Listen, you know that's my boy. <laughs> but, <it> ain't, um, <laughs> but but so I, I definitely agree. There is a shifting. There has been resistance. But like with with anything, keeping keeping at it, doing it for the right reasons, uh, learning learning more about why you're doing what you're doing right. and then the other piece meeting pe- people where they are so maybe from a preaching standpoint you wouldn't use your 10 dollar words because you have 10 do- <laughs> 10 Dollars and fifty cent words, uh, Pastor Smith. You might use your four dollar words, your five dollar words, to you know effectively communicate to the people so they can hear what thus says the Lord. And so with the praise and worship, you know, selecting songs that reach our members where they are, because our members in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, are not the mem- members in Houston, Texas, yes. or Atlanta, Georgia, yes. or Detroit, Michigan. Right? The 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 culture is different. So if that means that um, Um, You know, we're going to be singing Fill Me Up by Miranda Washington, excuse me, by Miranda Curtis, who's an awesome praise and worship leader in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, you know, we might need to put Fill My Cup, Lord, on on, as a Trinity tag on the end. I learned it at the National Baptist Congress. Yes. To— Pull people in to what they so so, to meet people where they are and pull people in so so it you know it's effective for them and it meets them where they are in the space that they're in so um, so yeah I mean there's different types of praise and worship it's it looks different everywhere and I think it's important to um, be intentional about um, the whole experience and do your very very best. Um, so that it, the experience is inclusive as opposed, to, as opposed to exclusive and people feel a willingness to want to corporately worship
0: Christ. Let me turn one more page and then we'll be done for today. Uh, we're coming up on two years since Elgin Sterling was mm-hmm. shot and killed. And I recall that immediately after the shooting took place, You and some other young leaders in our church uh, organized conversations, Mm -hmm. uh, including people both within the church and from other churches and from the larger community, Mm -hmm. uh, centered around a response to uh, what many of us saw and still see as a tragic and completely avoidable event that took place two years later. What are your thoughts around police reform and Baton Rouge? You, you're, you're a resident of the Baton Rouge community, Lord have
1: mercy. Uh, but but I think yeah. it's, I
0: think it's important yeah, that, of that, that that you give voice to, to how you feel about where we are two years later.
1: I think um, I'm grateful for the efforts. I'm grateful for the for the efforts of those with positive intentions grateful for those efforts um I'm disappointed in some of the decisions around Salomone and whatever the other guy's name is Lake Lake i disappointed about those decisions particularly Salamoni. I am proud of our Baton Rouge police chief and his response because he came in on the back end yes he did um In terms, uh, I'm more interested in what we can do um, as a community outside of them. That's what I'm most interested in. Um, I believe it's important to support individuals and organizations that are doing the real work around police reform and community development and African American community development. Things that are going on in North Baton Rouge, like businesses, um, uh, education, those individuals and those organizations that are doing the real work, I believe it's important to support them in deed, in action, um, uh, wholly support them. And you know, you asked me about Shiloh, Shiloh does those things. So, I mean, I'm forever proud about that. Um, what is my response? Um, I'm not pleased. We can do better. I'm interested in uh, contributing to those who are doing the work.
0: Thank you, Ellen, for taking the time to come and share with us today. Is there anything you want to say as a final before we go,
1: well, this has been a blessing. Um, I've enjoyed our time and talks, and we don't talk as much as we used to. Um, but I'm interested in doing more of that and all of that good stuff. But I appreciate this Thrive podcast. I'm proud of you in the Thrive podcast. Uh, this is not my first time listening. I've heard them before. I love the concepts. I love the topics. I think they're right on the money. I like how they're social justice heavy. So I'm with it all, and I'm proud of it. And I'm proud of you. And I thank you again for the invitation.
0: Well, thank you for taking the time to share with us. I told you before we started taping, so I'll say it for the record on the Thrive Podcast. Uh, it is mid-June. I'm giving myself till July 1st to to spend uh, July, August, September, and October. October 4th, I turned 57 years old. Uh-huh. And you are going to, once again, because you did it once before, you're going to develop for me a nutritional plan uh, that will help me move in the right direction health-wise. And uh, I'm going to commit myself to staying with the plan. All right.
1: Uh, It's going to be a little different than last time.
0: That's okay. Okay. I'm I'm willing to go through whatever it is that you're going to give
1: me. Okay. Well, I'm excited. I'll send you an email.
0: Okay. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.